Welcome to week 126 of the Two Guys in the Fridays podcast. My name is Steven. That over there is Travis. Hello, Steve. What's going on? Not much, man. How are you? Pretty good. Um, let's see. Thanks to uh, Kai Score for the theme song this week. Yeah. Thanks for the theme song. Kai Score? Is yeah. That, is that, was that the name? That's Kai how, that's how we're Kai going Score. with it. K-A-I-S-C-O-R. Kai Score. That's what I got. Cool. Thanks. Uh, if you want to send in your own version of the theme song, you can do that very easily. Just make it with whatever you want, instruments, singing it, whatever, uh, and then email it to us, tgifcast at gmail.com. That's the way to get it to us. You could do it like uh, stomp style with like trash cans and like, you know, that kind of thing. That would be cool. Um, would be, that'd be awesome. I'll take anything, whatever <laughs> yeah. you want. Um, follow us on all social media at TGIFcast and uh, go to YouTube, subscribe, like, comment, all that stuff. Just search Two Guys in the Fridays. Very easy to find. We are very easy to find. Yeah, we've got a whole week of brand new episodes, but before we get into that, we like to see what was going on in the world 30 years ago. And the only story I pulled out um, was one that happened on February the 9th, 1992, because um, these episodes would have aired when? These episodes would have aired February 14th, 14th, February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1992. Um, The uh, world record for yodeling was broken. Um, This guy, uh, Thomas Skull, did in one second 22 tones, including 15 falsettos. Now, I really wish I knew what this sounded like, but in my head, he's like changing the pitch in one second 22 times is there not a video i feel like this would there would be a I video i couldn't find anything i looked really there's got to be I mean, something you know I, I trust that you look so how do you even pick that up like how does how do you as the listener hear 20 some different tone changes in a second yeah i mean so today I feel like it would be easy because you can record it, you can look at it digitally and see like the the wave of, of the voice. But I don't know if they well, had that probably, digital technology in 92 to do that really. Well, you could have definitely recorded it and like slowed it slowed it down manually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. know how much digital production. I mean, there probably was, right? You know, they, it wasn't like the Stone Ages. Yeah, and I guess if you've got 22 tones, then... Um, Really, it's just like your voice going like, oh, and then like that's like a whole bunch of different tones, I guess. But I don't know. Maybe. That's still wild. Yeah. I would love to see a video of that. If, I, wonder, I wonder if that, that record still exists or if it's been broken. Yeah, I mean, then. I searched for it. After I found the record, I searched for it again, and that's what came up was that one from 92. So I don't know if it yeah. has been or not. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, what about movies and music? What was number one this week? Yeah, all new stuff. So oh. I don't know. I'm going to start with the movie because I think this – song is is more memorable but the movie was uh, medicine man the sean connery uh, lorraine bracco movie uh i don't know if you remember it i, I remember it I, for some reason i watched this movie a lot when i was a kid and i honestly have no good reason why um it, it's not very good I, it's all right but it's not like the best movie it was that lorraine bracco was nominated for a golden raspberry uh for her performance in this movie wait you, you know who lorraine bracco is right what's well golden raspberry is that the like bad awards the worst yeah the worst what yeah. do they call them is that what yeah, they're yeah. still called uh-huh. The Razzies well, as as or something, know, right? The Razzies, yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's the like same the, thing. The, the Oscars are the okay. Yeah, um, Lorraine Bracco. You know who Lorraine Bracco is, right? Um, I thought she was in Sopranos, but I don't know if that's right. She is. Yeah, she is. Okay. She's the the psychiatrist in Sopranos. Okay. Um, so she was in it. She was nominated. I mean, it's a fine movie. It's not great, but I have no reason. I have no idea why I watched this movie so much when I was a kid. 
Um, anyways, the song though was Right Said Fred. Okay, I already I'm know too, what it is. I'm too sexy. Yeah. The 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 only and most important song that I Right Said Fred ever came out with. Exactly. God, that song, man. That so song was sexy. It hurts. The best. That song is still still has repercussions to to today's. I culture. mean, didn't Drake just do a like sample of it? I, I have no idea. I don't. I don't really like. I think to it came out for, like for Drake, this but... year, like very recently. Did it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, people. I, I feel like there's if you just can't like escape that that song if you hear certain things. Um. So. Any birthdays this week? No birthdays. All right. Well, we said it. We got a whole week of new episodes. Let's, let's get into it. And very excited because uh, I wasn't even thinking about the dates. We've got a holiday week, <laughs> Valentine's Day, and we get Valentine's Day episode. Is it just one? Epis- single episode. Yeah, I think just one. Yeah. Just All one. right. Uh, start off. Family Matters. My Broken Hearted Valentine is the name of the episode. And... uh Yep, we're kicking it off with uh, Richie and Judy in the kitchen. They're making Valentines already. Richie's making like a giant heart, who we've got to assume is some girl in his class. But uh, Estelle's in there too. She's uh, helping out. And we find out that, no, Judy's actually paying Richie five bucks to help her make Valentines. (laughs) And uh, I guess back then, like, you didn't send a Valentine's to every kid in your class, I guess? I mean, I certainly remember doing, buying, you know, the the $1.50 box of Valentines at CVS and, and filling one out for everything yeah as absolutely so they were acting like well i mean estelle and harry were acting like you should only make one valentine for the one person you like the most and i'm like yeah i I think it's a little bit different but it's also you know a sitcom storyline i mean we were in elementary school at this time it's true i don't disagree with you they're just doing it different i got mad about it um anyways we find (laughs) out the reason why she's making so many is she's just going to give every boy in the class one and uh, hope one of them sticks. And uh, she's smart. She's playing the numbers game. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Uh, and then at this time too, while this is going on, Urkel comes in from the back door of the kitchen. He is dressed as Cupid, and there's like a joke um, right before he walks into where like they're saying like I think Richie's saying like boys are yucky, and they're like oh, not yucky. And then like Harriet's like, all right, maybe that's a little too far yucky or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, Did but you get the when joke? you say. I it was it wasn't really something that funny, like that. so I didn't make too much of a note of it. But it and when you say he's dressed like you, but he's got like wings, like a body suit, body wings, suit, like bow and arrow, like, yeah, and like some kind of I don't want to say diaper get up, but like like yeah, it's kind of bikini briefs, diaperish type thing going on. Yeah. Did Cupid have like colored hair? I mean, Cupid wasn't real. Cupid has whatever you want him to have. I mean, but there's like images of what people think. Do you ever see Cupid with pink hair? I don't think there's a whole lot of images in color from from oh. that era. Okay. Yeah, I think I mean I think mostly Cupid you're gonna see is from like statues and whatnot. I I honestly don't know what the historical uh, representation of his hair looks Fair like. Fair enough. So that's what Urkel thought Cupid looked like, I guess. Yeah, sure. It right. Looks like whatever you want him to. Okay. Uh, theme song. We come back to uh, Harriet Harriet taking uh, Cupid Urkel into the living room and says, uh, "Wait over here. You can just stay in the living room until Laura gets back." Now she also says something. About, he 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 ends up having a giant pickle that he's eating that oh, yeah. he takes. Stop little, jerking my gherkin or something. Yeah, and I don't remember that wasn't in the the open at all, right? This just a ma- like magically appears as he walks into the den. Yeah, who knows? Cupid might have a little backpack on or something. Fair enough. Okay, okay. It's whatever you want Cupid to look like. That's good. Yeah, I just it was weird to me that all of a sudden this pickle becomes a a, a joke for thirty know, seconds device. or whatever. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a pickle. Uh, doorbell opens the door. It's Daniel Wallace who uh, crushes uh, the pickle in the process. And uh, he tells Urkel he's there to see Laura. And uh, Steve is not happy about it. Yeah, and we all remember Daniel Wallace. This is not the first time we've seen him. Every time we've seen him, he's been a jerk. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, Laura. where did we leave off? What was the last instance we saw of Daniel Wallace? He had to have been on bad terms with Laura at this point, right? He was. He was. It was the one. It was the episode where Urkel tells him that Laura has this disease, and and he ends up leaving, and then Laura comes and she's mad at Urkel, uh, and she has the whole dream about um, about them being older and and how her and Urkel lost their friendship because of of her cutting him out of his life her life but like what and then she the, she it, told she told daniel to to, to go away to, to never come back no i don't interest. want to see you yeah more, because 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 what we also established in that episode was he had a history with maxine and mm-hmm. he had been he had been not not nice to her and had basically broken up with her uh in a pretty pretty awful way okay so um I think Daniel's like asking Urkel about his costume and uh, mm-hmm. Steve is kind of like telling him like the symbolism of Cupid and stuff and what it means for love and Valentine's Day. Daniel tells him that he probably feels like a total yutz. And uh, then uh, Steve says something like, uh, or no, I think Steve tells Daniel that he feels like it probably feels like a total yutz after he didn't realize what Cupid meant for a girl or something. And then Daniel's like, well, at least I don't look like a total yutz like you do. And then um, Daniel tells Steve that he's here to uh, ask Laura to be his Valentine. And uh, Steve says that uh, Laura will not fall for it this time. Yeah, yeah. And so I I started to get frustrated with this episode right about here when we just realized that we're going to pretty much rehash the same thing we've done at least once, if not mm-hmm. kind of twice already. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I forgot about exactly what happened with Daniel, but I don't. Maybe I'm answering my own question. I don't know why they feel like the audience is going to forget everything that happened in the past, but I kind of did. So maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe. Um. So yeah, he says he's not going to fall for it. Laura gets home, and it looks like he she's kind of just like walks right by Steve and goes towards Daniel, but it's not exactly what happened because um. Steve starts to recite this poem to Laura and we find out it's super long, like 80 something verses or something like that. Right, right. And then she says, Steve, go home. And then she walks over to Daniel, who I thought she was going to like be all over. But no, she's like, Daniel, you go right with him. Like she tells him right away that she wants nothing to do with him. Which I appreciate it because it yeah, shows some like some recognition of the fact that this is this is we've been in this spot before and we know how it ends. Um, but then I get frustrated with the next five minutes. Yeah, because so. the next very the next words that come out of Daniel's mouth are him asking Laura out on a date tonight. I've changed. I'm different. I know what I did wrong. Yeah, and it kind of works. Um, it, wor- she, it doesn't kind of work. It does work. Yeah, I think the the ending line that he tells Laura is calling her special, and. You can see her completely switching. She starts to fall for it. Um, Steve is trying to like tell her not to fall for it, and he's not buying it. But um, uh, Daniel's like, he can't stop. I can't stop thinking about you. And uh, once again, he asks her out, and she says yes. I, you know, as much as I want to hate this storyline, I just think back to high school and how we were all <laughs> we were all idiots in high school, and this happened probably all the time to dozens of hundreds of millions of people yeah for sure um all right so we go a little later we're back in the living room again uh carl is installing a dimmer switch in the living room 
doorbell rings. Well, at first there's like a little gag where it looks like every time he, he touches, thinks. yeah, every it looks yeah. like every time he touches the door, the dimmer, it's making the doorbell ring. But right, then right. he realizes it's actually just the doorbell. So um, he answers it. It is uh, Daniel, and he is there to uh, pick up Laura on the date, and he is being super polite and complimentary to Carl and Rachel. He's, kiss- he's kissing ass. He's big, kissing ass. Big time. And Carl loves it, um, especially oh, who- when uh, Daniel calls him handy for installing this right. uh, this dimmer switch. He's he gets the him. one thing from Daniel that he never gets from his family, which is acknowledgement of him trying to actually fix something in the house yeah so laura comes down for the date she's dressed all nice and everything carl tells oh, there's another thing we find out here too that i thought was fun evidently laura carl not laura carl carl changed their basement into a, a wine, wine cellar, cellar right but yeah. I, I really it's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of of boxes uh of shoe boxes with wine bottles which <laughs> which took me to think of uh step by step and how he probably just got all of all of frank's old shoe boxes oh, yeah. and used them probably did get the same boxes cellar. probably put them up on um yeah. Craigslist and said free free shoe boxes. Carl drove up there and was like, "I'll take them." Must pick up from Port Washington. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, where are we at now? Uh, yeah. Handy. Laura comes downstairs. She's dressed real nice, and uh, you know, Daniel compliments her as real respectful, and and then him and Carl have this kind of little back and forth about we are. I guess Laura, Carl, and a little bit of Daniel have this like back and forth of curfew when yeah. when to bring her home because it starts off with Carl telling them to be back by ten. But then, like, Daniel is able to uh, just, you know, just throw a couple more compliments Carl's way. And eventually Carl, uh, without asking, changes it to 11 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, sir, I, I, we have to go by the Piggly Wiggly on the way. I'm happy to pick you up something if you want. And Carl's like, oh, you seem like a real respectful boy. Maybe what did he ask for? Ma- um, Some kind mellow, of candy? Chocolate, chocolate. Choco mellows, some kind of like chocolate marshmallow thing. Yeah, that's what I got. I, 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 I'm not familiar with them, but it was like Choco Mellow or Mallow something like of, that. I don't know. Malamars, Malamars. Malamars. Yeah, it's a Pokemon. Oh, wait, is that a place? It's a Pokemon. Mal- Malamars a Pokemon? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's, I think so it's maybe Malo- he's just getting them to pick up something. some Pokemon for him. Like, hey. Uh, maybe he's like, catch one while you're turn over Turn on your there. app. I heard it's they've a, got a, a good uh, Pokemon Ma- Malamar nest over at Piggly Wiggly if you can... Uh, Grab a right. For me. Yeah, it's a it's a special event you can only get. Malamar is also. I'm looking it up. Malamar is a candy. It's a it's got like a cookie base and then marshmallow and it's the whole thing is coated in chocolate. I'd eat it. Yeah, looks good. Um, so Daniel and Laura leave for their date, um, and then Carl shows off the dimmer switch that it's now completed to Rachel. She's impressed, but uh, right before. Or right after she's impressed, uh, it catches fire and all the power goes out in the house. Of course it does. Yeah. So once again, the living room, this is a popular location for this episode. Um, This is later on, Eddie and Urkel sitting on the couch alone. They have no dates for Valentine's. And uh, Steve's got some polka on and uh, Eddie's kind of done with it. He's like, Steve, just go home. And... um, (laughs) They talk about kind of not having dates, and Steve is uh, says this is the most miserable time that he's ever been in his life because Laura is out yeah. with uh, Daniel Wallace. Not that this he, hasn't he's trying ever to really, happened before, right? He's trying to open up to Eddie and like be like like kind of have a heart to heart. And as he's talking, Eddie is just slowly walking upstairs and eventually just goes upstairs, ignoring Urkel completely. Yep. So uh, Eddie's upstairs. Steve hears the uh, front door start to open. He hops over the couch, hides behind it, in walk Laura and Daniel. And um, they talk about, like, 
having a good time. Daniel throws down a little more game, and the two of them start making out in the living room while Steve Urkel watches on. Exactly. Why? Why do you go make out in the living room of your your date's parents' house? Like, why don't you just make out in the car or out like in front? Like, why are you going to go in the house and then make out while you know they're in that house? They're not at St. Well, Josephine's. They didn't get a uh, reservation that night. <laughs> not on Valentine's. No. My my assumption is that they went in, they they went in the house. They saw that they had the room alone, and this was kind of a little bit of just like going for it. Quick pre gaming for a potential next step. All right. I didn't. I I, I think it was a bold move. They, they were I think standing. It was an incorrect they were standing move. up. They were standing up. It wasn't like they were on the couch or anything. That you know, it was. I think it was. Not the final move, but the first move. So uh, they walk each other to the door. Uh, Daniel kisses Laura on the hand, and uh, they are excited to see each other later. And uh, Daniel's like, "I can't wait." And then, uh, then they zoom over to Steve, who looks super sad about what he just witnessed. Super sad, Steve. Yep. So another day, um, we've got uh, Laura coming downstairs, uh, doorbell once again. This time, though, it is Maxine, and uh, Laura kind of unveils the truth pretty quickly that uh, her and Daniel Wallace are about to go out on a date. Yeah, and this is when Maxine really kind of lets it out and says, and was kind of shocked, as we all are, that Laura would agree to this because of, of the way that he treated her in the past. Yeah, and um, she just doesn't understand why Laura's going to go out with him. And Laura's like, he's changed. Um, he really likes me. And Maxine, like, tries with everything she has to warn Laura that all he wants is to uh, is for her to put out. And, uh, I mean, that's what she says. And Laura, um, what? what? Well, I was going to say, and this is a big thing for Maxine, because Maxine has never told Laura this part of the breakup mm-hmm. story, is that Daniel, or Dan- Daniel, um broke up with her because he wanted to have sex with her and 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 maxine wouldn't do it and he started to insult her and was really mean to her about it and that's that's how they broke up it wasn't just it didn't he was a jerk it didn't work out it was this was the kind of thing that he wanted that she wasn't ready for and that's why they broke up yeah and i mean laura doesn't want to believe maxine like she really thinks that something different is going to happen with her and daniel and she tells maxine that she just wants for maxine to be happy for her and uh, she says that she, I mean, can't deal with this. Like, uh, this is not something, I, he's not going to break my heart. And she's like, yes, he is. This is what he does. I mean. <sighs> Maxine is doing her the best she can to be a good friend. Yeah. And I wrote uh, some quote down. Oh, he, he may have broke your heart, um, but Daniel and I are fine. And then she leaves out the door. Right. Um, She's in denial. Yeah. Uh, Carl comes in the living room to find Maxine still there. Maxine tells Carl that uh, her and Laura had a fight over Daniel. And then Maxine warns Carl about Daniel and how he is. Carl stands up in anger and says, I'll kill him. Well, yeah. And she tells Carl straight up that he just, that Daniel just wants sex. Yep. And that's when Carl's just done with it. All right. So a little later, uh, Carl's in the living room. I think he's like sitting down on the chair or something. Steve comes in. Uh, wearing like a robe, like a religious robe, and says that he has come to say goodbye. He's a monk. He has Just joined like a, monk. a monastery, and uh, he uh, is doing it because of Laura. Yeah, he's joined the Brotherhood of Perpetual Patience and Prayer, the PP and P. 
Um, so yeah, quick scene there. Uh, we go upstairs to uh, Laura's bedroom where we see Laura and Daniel sneaking in to that window on that second floor, right where Steve Urkel likes to climb that ladder. And uh, right, right, things are about to happen because uh, Daniel's like, "Oh, why are you getting so nervous?" And she tells him that uh, she thinks that uh, he should probably go. Like, this is probably not a good idea. My yeah. parents are in the other room. I kind of uh, not he's she's not telling him this, but uh, maybe this Maxine thing might be a little true. And uh, Daniel says that, uh, well, if you're uncomfortable, I'll leave. And then uh, asks her if she had a good time and then starts like kissing her a little bit. And then uh, she tries to get him to leave again, but he keeps pushing himself on her. And then he calls her a baby, which is one of the like key things that Maxine said he does is like he'll right. call you a baby if you don't want to do anything with him. And then Laura's like, get out. Yeah, yeah. As soon as he says the exact line that Maxine kind of warned her about, Laura Laura kind of flips the switch as, as far instead of being like the nervous, I'm not comfortable, and I want you to leave to the get out of my room now. This is over, you're done. Yep. So he climbs back through the window and uh he's about to go. And then uh, I think Laura says, hold on one more thing. And then like grabs his hat that he left on the window and like throws it to him. And then like he falls out of the tree, like trying to catch the hat. And uh, I guess breaks breaks all of his bones probably and dies. Both legs probably. His basketball career is over. He's probably got a a horrific scar on his face now. So he can't be an actor. All of his dreams are gone. Yep. That's the last time we see Daniel Wallace, right? I actually do think it is. Yeah. Is (laughs) Is it really? Yeah. I mean, look, how much more can they escalate this before it gets out of control, right? Like the first time. I mean, like, once a year, they could have a Valentine's like, Day episode. Yeah, but you got to step it up each time. So next time it's going to be like a real serious like. Hey, I know, got this video camera. Let's go. Uh, let's go hide this in your bathroom and yeah. make a video or something. That, or like that's next, that's dr- next like, year. Put, put, put something in her drink or something. You know, a real a real conversation. We're going to have to talk about some Boy Meets World style. Be crazy. Um, so yeah, as all this is going on, I guess Harry had heard what was going on. She comes into the room to see, uh, what's going on. And, uh, Laura, like just unveils what happened. She tells her mom what happened. Um, Harriet says that she did the right thing. Laura starts to cry. And, um, uh, who knows what I wrote down here? Some, oh, she, uh, Harriet tells Laura that someday she's going to meet the right guy. And you know what will happen when you meet the right guy. And Laura's like, we're going to have sex? And she's like, no, you're going to get married. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. And then uh, the two of them hug. And, like, that, that's kind of like the end of that scene. It was, it was a good line. It was, it was a good line. Yeah. Uh, one more time in the living room for this episode, because it's only been, like, eight times so far. Uh, we've got Carl telling Steve. Is that what's going on? Carl's telling Steve and... Oh no, Laura's I, telling had, I, Laura's what, telling Stephen Carl yeah. what happened with uh, Daniel, or not exactly, but just saying that like she doesn't want to ever him to see him again. Told him to leave, and she tells Steve that uh, you know what, Steve, it's almost midnight. How about this? I make you a little deal. Uh, you can be my Valentine for the rest of the day, and he's like <laughs> speechless. He can't make any actions, can't say anything. She starts Freaking to count out. down. There's only five seconds From to five. midnight. Five, four, three, two, one. Steve leaves, and as he walks out the door, he says, "Thanks for the memory, baby." And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> that's it. That's good. I like. I like that end. Yeah, I like that that's end. good. Um, so next up this week, we've got step by step. Uh, this is 
season one, episode 17. The name of this one is The Boys in the Band, and it starts off, uh, Al has not given up these drums yet. She's uh, now in a five-piece all-girl band, and they are practicing right in the middle of the living room. And I do want to say that one of the girls in this band is the the girl, Chanel Gray, who was Rose in, How, in that show Howie and Rose that we watched. Oh. You remember her? Yeah. The one that, that yeah. So uh, what did she I couldn't play? tell which one. Keyboard? I couldn't tell. I could. I literally was looking at all three of them and like trying to compare. I was like, three of you look like you could be this girl. It's not the singer. It's not Al. It's one of the other three. So it's one of the, yeah, it's one of the other three. Keyboard, but I, guitar, for bass. the life of me, couldn't figure it out. Okay. So, but she's one of them. So. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here, too, with this practice. Like, um, JT kind of offers uh, a name for the band, and I think they quickly agree. Chicks with Attitude for is probably perfect. For reason. Uh, Karen wants uh, the band to have better clothes, and they kind of want Karen to jump on as, like, the fashion designer for the band. Um, JT now wants to be the manager of the band. Uh, yep. Does Carol walk in here and say she used to be in a band at this point? No, this is, that is not, later? this is a different time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Dana, she's just like the whole time just continues to like make fun of the band and act like they have no talent and uh, are going nowhere fast. Well, they are not a great band. Um, but JT's <laughs> other thing, big thing about being his manager or being their manager is he he's really going to work to find him a gig. They want to play a gig. They want to uh-huh. play a show. And that's kind of his thing. It's like, I will manage you and I will find you a gig. Yep. Um, so after the theme song, we come back to, uh, JT trying to borrow some money from his dad. He wants to get a suede jacket. Uh, I think he tells him the reason why he needs a suede jacket is for the band, right? Like to make, yeah, he says he needs it to be, to be a good manager. Yep. Uh, Frank gives it to him and then, uh, Penny starts to scream. She runs in saying there's a mouse in the beauty shop. This is our little side story of this episode that really is not needed at all, but, um, it's totally unnecessary. Uh, she runs in, jumps into Frank's arms. Carol's scared. She jumps up on the table, and Frank says, I'm going to take care of it. Don't worry, Carol. You got a mouse trap. And she's like, I don't want you to kill it. You got to be humane to this and let it outside. And he's like, So, yeah, that's that side story. <laughs> uh, Carol then walks into the living room. This is where she um, sees the band packing up, and she tells them that she used to sing in a band. And I think she sings a little bit for him right here, too, right? She does. She sings... Uh, uh... Yeah, candy nah, nah, shop nah, nah. girl like, you know, my candy yeah candy but she, she says boy like you are my candy boy that one yeah 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 honey 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 i can hear it in my head but i couldn't get it out probably for good reason but yeah. um yeah uh so yeah that's going on uh and then the girls start to leave the house and as they're leaving uh cody comes in and for some reason all the girls have a crush on cody I mean, he does have his own van that he parks in the driveway. So, I mean, that's... It's Cody. Who doesn't have a crush on Cody? I mean, I don't, but uh, it's fine. Um, Dana. So... The right answer is Dana. Yeah. Uh, Cody tells Dana, don't worry. I know all those girls have a crush on me, but uh, you're the only one that I want. And Dana tells... uh, Dana tells Al no luck finding a gig? I guess that's... Yeah, she kind of just starts... She changes the direction a little bit and starts to talk about how JT hasn't found him a a gig yet. And I was really upset about it. Um, Sad and so, yeah, that's kind of where that is. Uh, then we go to this bowling alley out of nowhere. Uh, we find out Frank was doing the remodel of the bowling alley. Uh, JT comes in and JT asks the uh, owner of the bowling alley if he can get this. Sid Greco. What's his name? Sid Greco? 
Segreka, who was the actor who played Sid, was the security uh, salesman from that episode of Baby Talk where Maggie gets the security system oh. for the apartment. Okay. Um, Tom Laguara. JT's like, hey, I've got this girl band. You think I can get them to play there? And he, they agree. Uh, All right, I got this opening Sunday. If you got an all girl band, let's try it out. I, I do like here too, where Frank tells Sid that him and JT are going to a basketball game that night. Uh-huh. And they're going to go into the locker room to meet Michael Jordan, uh-huh. and that's it. There's like that's that that that's it's a one line. There's no like follow up. There's no reaction really. Like you want he's like yeah, that's cool. I guess you wanted some Whatever. more. You wanted to see Michael Jordan like, in this episode. It just seems like a big event for there to be no mention of it ever again. I mean, isn't don't you think that that's like a 92? You're, you're like, your yeah, dad's yeah. like, oh, we're going into the locker room. We're going to meet the Bulls. We're going to meet Michael Jordan. And you're like, all right, we'll never talk about that again. JT's got a lot on his so, mind. He's managing a big fair. girl band now. And he's got a Maybe lot that was the intent of this line was to say, like, we're going to mention this big thing, but not talk about it again to demonstrate how important the... Uh, the manager job was how much did this make you think of just the 10 of us no i didn't until you just said it like a whole lot like bowling alley restaurants girl band girl band like come in play here well they played it they 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 sang at a pizza at a pizza joint i said i I said restaurant yeah yeah um but yeah uh so that's kind of the scene The, the band's gonna be playing on sunday uh chicks with attitude finally has their first gig until we go back yes. to the house, um, there was a quick mention earlier on where um, Carol had to take a couple of the girls home because their mom had the flu, and we now we find out hey, that that's interesting. I didn't pick up on that at all, but you're 100 percent right. They do like tease that out, huh? Yeah. Now we find out all the girls have the flu. Everyone is sick except yeah. for Al. Um, the band can't play. They're not going to be able to do the gig on Sunday. And uh, we also find out that uh, Sid paid JT in advance for this gig. And he can't just give the money back because he has already purchased brand new outfits for everyone in the band and they were on sale. So he can't return them. So now they are screwed. Yeah. He has got to find a way to get this money. And and this is something kind of that leads back to when JT had asked Frank for money originally, Frank kind of gave him a whole spiel about not buying things before you have the money, going into debt, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think they paid this band to play? First show ever. Well, I guess the Sid didn't know it was their first show ever. But what do you think Sid paid this band that he had never heard of? 50 bucks? JT just spent... a lot. No, JT just took all the money and bought new outfits. Yeah, but the outfits were probably like... They're not $10 a piece. Five people in the band. You're right. I'm so, thinking like 250 bucks or something. 250 maybe, yeah. It's a lot, yeah, I feel maybe. like. I don't know. Maybe I agree. maybe Sid is just rolling and bowling money. Well, here's the thing, right? Like if they, uh, you know, if if that's a big night for him, if it's a big draw, and they get a lot of people in, they, you know, he pays from from like from the bar tab. Yeah, maybe that's a whole lot. But, All right. Um. You know. So JT ends the scene just freaking out. He thinks it is over. Uh we then go right. to. Uh, is it Alan? Bre- no, it's Frank and Brendan, right? Setting up a mouse Frank trap. Frank and Brendan. Uh, yep, yep. they're kind of setting up like a trail of cheese to go to the mousetrap. Brendan's got the plate of cheese and for every one that he hands Frank, he also eats a piece himself. Uh, Carol comes in thing. and, uh, wants Frank to use a humane trap. She does not like the idea of having a, uh, regular mousetrap in the house. Understandable. As this happens, you, you do something. Uh, the mouse runs in under the couch. But uh, Frank is able to uh, quickly think, grab Brendan's hat, catch the mouse in his hat, and uh, now they can decide what to do with it. 
which is really quick. They just take him outside and set him free. Yep, he lets Brendan go take him out, and um, Frank uh, goes to throw away the uh, mousetrap or go like dislodge or whatever. Ends up snapping his own finger and uh, going to the kitchen, screaming in pain. Well. The reason he snaps his own finger is because as he's doing it, Mark opens the kitchen door and hits him, and it knocks him into the mousetrap. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Okay. That's why he catches his finger. This reminds me, actually, I don't know if I should tell the story or not, but I'm going to. Sure. Uh, It reminds me of a situation we had at at, uh, my wife's parents' house where they had a little, little, like, field mouse in their pantry. And so we we were trying to catch it, except for her dad decided that his first reaction was to just try to stomp on it. And I was like, no, 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 no. We all we all like had to like stop, take a second, and say no. We're not doing that, and catch it and just take it outside. Uh, was, My only problem with stomping on it is it make a mess. I get blood everywhere. It, it makes a mess, but it's also like, why do that when you can just catch it and release it outside? They live in the middle of the woods. The mouse is coming it's right back like in that house. Nah, it didn't. I'm on Team Frank on this one. Um, so okay. into the kitchen. Uh, JT's on the phone with uh, with Sid, and uh, we. I guess he talks to JT and then JT forwards the message on to Al that Sid has to have an all girl band. And, uh, yeah, the assumption here is that JT is like, do we, can we, you know, we can't get all the girls, but we got a replacement. And Sid's like, no, I'm advertising an all girl band. It needs to be an all girl band. Yep. Uh, Dana and Karen come down and into the kitchen. Al asks them if they could be in the band. They laugh, but then, uh, Al is like, well, Karen, there's going to be guys just staring at you the whole time. Okay. I'm in. She's like quickly in for two hours. Out. They're going to play a two hour set. These, these four, the intention was these four middle school girls that have never had a gig before are going to play a two hour long set. It's <laughs> a lot. What? Yeah. That's a lot. Um, like professional bands don't even play two hour long sets. Most of the time cover bands do for sure. Do that. Okay. Yeah. Right, fair. Fair. Um, so they make a deal. Um, Dana decides she will join the band. JT's like, you can borrow my jacket. And then uh, I think, I, f- I can't remember what exactly she said, but Dana's like, oh no, you'll be borrowing my jacket. I think that's what she said. Right. So You'll un- be borrowing it from me. Yeah. So Dana's got a new jacket. She's in the band. We go to the bowling alley and it's time. Uh, Chicks with Attitude is about to play. We see Al and Dana and Karen all come in dressed to play. And Carol asks where the rest of the band is. And then in walk, uh, JT and Cody in full drag, uh, ready to go, wigs, dresses, and everything. The whole deal. I mean, it is, they are ready to go. Uh, Dana laughs, of course. Carol looks confused. Frank looks upset. Then Sid comes over, and uh, Frank introduces the band to Sid. And uh, Sid starts trying to hit on Cody during this whole thing. And then, uh, yep. then we're ready to go. I mean, they don't get a lot of time to set up. It's like you walk in, you better be ready to play right now because Sid immediately introduces the band to the crowd. Ready to go. Yep, they start playing. Um, as they're playing, uh, Cody's on vocals, which was a bold choice. I don't know if that was the right way to go. but uh, Definitely was not the right way to go. Yeah, uh, you could have probably just had him on guitar and like even had him turned around or something, and they could have pulled it off for more than a quarter of a song. But Sid quickly goes up on stage. Pulls off JT and Cody's wigs, unveiling that these are guys and not girls. I don't know why he would do that if he's trying to hide it himself, but whatever. Um, I think he kind of chases them off stage, but then they kind of reappear on stage, it seems like. Yeah, I think it kind of chases them off stage, but not not really. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's a little bit of a confusion here. And what I feel like when I looked up just at the TV, it was just Al, Dana, and Karen on the stage at one point. 
But uh, Carol is looking up there, and she's like, oh, no, I got to go save the day. Um, so she does. She goes up on stage, grabs the microphone. She starts to sing with Al and Dana and Karen. And then JT and mm-hmm. Cody come back, and they join in. And uh, the crowd loves it. They are all into it. Chicks with Attitude are the biggest hit in all of Port Washington. Yeah, and the crowd had started to leave. And as Carol starts singing, the crowd comes back in. The, the one thing I really don't understand here is why – they don't use more of the JT or not JT, but Cody as a guitar player. Cause we know Cody plays guitar. Yeah. We, I think there's kind of an assumption that he's fairly good at the guitar. He's not a great songwriter, but he's seems to be good at the guitar. So why not? I don't, I, I thought it was weird. That Jana, Jana, Jana. You're driving me insane. <laughs> so you just want to like guitar solo in this episode, like a, like a crazy riff that everyone's like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Something rocking out. Um, Carol was great. I liked Carol. Yeah. Was good. Uh, we go back to the house. Uh, everyone's talking about how great the set went. Carol said uh, she felt like it was like the Partridge family. And then uh, all the kids say, ew, and then they leave. And then uh, Frank sits down JT and tells him that uh, he really shouldn't have asked for that advance for the money. And JT's like, well, I just did it for Al. I really wanted to see her succeed. She's my little sister. And Frank um, appreciates him looking out for Al. Al comes in and tells JT that uh, – it was that he's the best big brother in the whole world. And also she overhears it the whole time. Like she overhears the, the conversation. conversation between Frank and, and JT talking about how JT, you know, did it for her. Uh, joke here is uh, she says, you're the best big brother and also the ugliest big sister. Kind of funny. Um, <laughs> so then Frank suggests that the uh, band might need to change their name. Now, maybe chicks with facial hair is the way to go. JT says, I have facial hair. All right. And then that's the end of the episode. That's it. That's step it. Step by step. Going into Baby Talk Season 2, Episode 17. The name of this episode is The Commitment. And it starts off with uh, Mickey on a sofa reading a newspaper, talking about nursery rhymes and saying, this paper's depressing. Um, not a bad hat, though. And then he puts it on his head. I I think that the intention of this this opening was meant to be different and they changed it to what worked for what Mickey did based on the rest of the episode. I think this, this was meant to play a little bit differently than, than it ended up playing, but we'll see. Yeah. We won't see. We'll never know. I'm curious what you think it was supposed to be. And I don't know if you want to wait until we talk about part of the episode. Let's wait till we talk about the episode. I mean, it's not too much of a spoiler, but let's talk about the episode and then they, 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 you know, they close it out with the same thing. So, all right. So after the theme, we come back to uh, James and Maggie. They're on all fours. Uh, Max and Mickey are on their backs riding around the living room. Uh, Anita comes over and she says uh, she's catering a party for, is it her mom's boyfriend therapist? Is that who he is? So the intent, the party is for Doris and her boyfriend. And the intention is that Doris has never met her boyfriend's friends before. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like bringing her friends over. So Doris can meet everybody. They can meet Doris and, you know, be part of the life. Yeah. Whatever it is. Anita's the caterer and uh, she needs some help. All of her uh, servers are gone and she uh, is very quick and able to uh, recruit both James and Maggie to uh, be a server and a bartender for the night. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the server she had got into a fight and the the because they were a couple, and the woman hit the guy with a car, and so that's why they couldn't show up. Uh, the next scene is Anita giving Maggie uh, instructions on how to like work the room and hand out hors d'oeuvres. Uh, we find out James, the bartender, 
Um, James and Maggie start kissing for some reason, and then Anita makes a switch after she finds out that Maggie actually took a bartending class. She knows how to make um, a grasshopper, so now she's the bartender, and James gets to hand out hors d'oeuvres. Yep, yep, just like that. Uh, then we jump right to the party. Uh, where is this taking place? Is this at Doris's or is this at her boyfriend's house? I was really confused because for some reason I thought it was at Anita's, but obviously it's not. So my assumption is that it's at the boyfriend's because because Doris arrives there and he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is at her boyfriend's. Um, they show Mickey and Max and they're talking about crashing the party at some point, which is funny, I guess. And then Dora goes into the kitchen uh, to find James and Maggie are there helping out. And uh, she's a little worried. Um, Anita explains what happens. And Maggie asks uh, if they should keep their relationship to Doris a secret or if they should tell her boyfriend. What's her boyfriend's name? I know he's David. So her boyfriend is Norman Gorman. Norman oh, Gorman oh, is yeah. played by Steve Gilborn, who is somebody who is fairly recognizable. He's in a lot of stuff. Um, but he is TGIF alumni. He was a character in the Perfect Strangers two-parter, um, the the one, the men who knew too much, the one where they go to LA and the whole thing, yeah, yeah. The, the mob thing. He, he was her, which I think was that the guy and the couple that you saw throughout the whole like two-parter. Oh, yeah. You remember how there was that With couple? With the video that was camera kind of, that they th- took and stuff? I think that's who he was, okay. but I didn't go back and watch it, so I don't know. But you, you'd recognize him. He's pretty, pretty recognizable. Uh, Norman Gorman, though. That's his name in Baby Talk. Yeah, so Maggie's like, should we tell Norman? And Doris is like, very quickly to agree not to tell him. Like, just keep it secret. She immediately acts like she doesn't know who she is. So, yeah, and the reason she does that is because she thinks that, that it would be awkward for Norman and his friends to know that they're being wait, served to by by Maggie's daughter. They, she just thought it'd be awkward. I don't yeah, know, and I feel... It was well, like, strange to me. But. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so then the party starts. Um, James is handing out food. Um, Steve, who is a party goer, recognizes Maggie, who's over there uh, at the bar, and uh, they we quickly find out they were in school together. And then James mm-hmm. immediately gets jealous and both upset that Maggie did not introduce him to uh, to Steve as his, her boyfriend. Right. Or I, I don't, at this point, at all, all at this point, at right? All. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. She tells him to uh, knock off that jealous boyfriend routine, and uh, then we go back to the kitchen to Mickey and James getting ready to crash the party. Mickey and Max. Mickey and, Mickey Max. and Max. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, party's still going on. Steve talking to Maggie once again. James still being jealous. Maggie does introduce uh, James to uh, Steve this time, but still leaves out the whole boyfriend part, which upsets James once again. Yeah, so and this is a weird thing, right? Like he said that he was upset. He he I would say James maybe overreacted a bit at the beginning and said, like, here's why I'm upset. And then she kind of tries to fix it, but doesn't at all and really like makes the situation worse by not even yeah. not including the boyfriend part. It's it's a really weird I mean, I get it for the story, but it's just kind of doesn't really make sense as to how unless like she really just didn't want to tell anybody that James was her boyfriend. Yeah, we get a scene where uh, Mickey and Max uh, start making their way into the party, but Anita quickly calls them back in the kitchen, so uh, they have not officially gone in there yet. Uh, They show James once again, still mad about the whole thing. Um, He says that he doesn't want her talking to Steve at all, and I wrote they agree. Does she say, like, she won't talk to him anymore? Is that what happens? 
I guess. Yeah. Um, she tells I didn't him. Make that note. Oh no. She tells James to go suck a lime. Uh, all the party go- goers. Ooh. After she says that, and then we go to uh, Doris in the kitchen with Anita. Uh, James and Maggie follow behind Doris. Doris yells at Maggie and James for this like outbreak that they had in the middle of the party, and tells them that. Uh, they need to behave uh, just for a few hours, and then they can work on their problems on their own time. Right. They need to, they need to start acting like professionals, even though they're not professional yeah. caterers at all. <laughs> uh, back to the party. James has now uh, gone to a new technique. He's just going to start flirting with every girl in the party. So he finds a girl, starts right. flirting with her. Maggie starts to get a little jealous. Uh, Maggie tells James that... Um, it's not going to work. Oh, like not. She's not like he, she tells him that she's not going to get jealous over him doing this. And then Maggie, um, or I think, and Maggie's acting real kind of a little bit crazy at the bar herself and talking to, to other, like other patrons. Yeah. And then Anita, or, uh, Anita sees that this is starting to get out of control again and then takes, uh, Maggie and James to the kitchen. And is like, here, here's some tarts. Here's some whipped cream. Just put all this whipped cream on the tarts. Do this instead. And this is like, yeah. you know yeah. what's going to happen immediately. when you Of see course. This. Of course. Yeah. It's just like whenever there's food on in wrestling, there's going to be a food fight. Whenever there's whipped cream or on a TV show, a, someone's a getting sprayed with whipped cream. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's what happens. Like uh, they start playfully like spraying it on each other's hands as they're decorating these tarts. And then just start a full-on whipped cream fight, spraying it on each other. Anita comes in. She gets covered in the whipped cream. Doris comes in. She's angry, followed by uh, Norman Gorman, who comes in behind Doris, wondering what in the world is going on here. And as he's walking in, Maggie calls Doris mom, which he overhears and then kind of sets off the next part of this. Yep. Um, Doris apologizes, but uh, Norman... Are we not going to talk about the really funny exchange that happens right here real quick? Is there one? Because I didn't get one. I thought it was one of the funniest things I've seen on Baby Talk ever. So Maggie calls calls Doris mom, and so Anita tries to be like, oh, no, 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 no. She's my daughter. I'm her mom. And then I'm not going to be able to do this in a way that is as funny as I thought Doris did it. Doris Doris is like... Just give up already. She's what? white. <laughs> right. She's like, Anita, just give up. It does, it's not going to work. She's white. And it, the delivery, like the whole way that that like 15 seconds played out, I thought was hilarious. It was pretty funny. Ending with the way Doris said that. Yeah. So Norman doesn't mind that uh, all the, this relationship that's going on here. He And he actually thinks that he and his uh, therapist friends can actually help him. And uh Tells them help, to help James and Maggie. Help yeah. James and Maggie with this uh, relationship problems that they're having. Tells them to wipe off the whipped cream. Did we mention that? I think that's important to note here. I think that that's, that everyone at the party is a some type of like therapist, psychiatrist, you know, in that field. So every single person at the party, except for like the dates, are are in that same field as Norman. So Norman goes back into the party. Uh, Maggie and James follow him, and then. Uh, I didn't take a ton of notes here because a lot was going on, but he introduces James and Maggie to the party and uh, tells them that he that they've got obviously they've got a problem going on. He needs all of them to help, and like everyone's kind of like giving ideas, and he suggests they do some sort of like role reversal. And uh, right, right. He asks them how the argument started, and uh, James is like, "Well, she was flirting with one of the guests," and then. Uh, 
Norman wants to know, well, which guest was it? Why don't you tell me who it was? And then she's like, she doesn't want to say. And then one by one, the guests start saying, well, she was flirting with me. And then like another guy's All like, the oh, guys think she was flirting, flirting with me too. When I went over there and yeah. got a drink. And uh, she says, no, it was Steve. And, um, but she wasn't flirting. And then James starts to act like uh, Maggie was, or no, James starts to act like Maggie, like, cause they're doing like the role reversal thing. So Norman's like, no, James, you tell me as Maggie, how this happened. And then like, they're like, going back and forth, doing that kind of thing. Maggie acts like James. James acts like Maggie. And eventually, um, James admits... Oh, no. Is this back at the house now? I don't know. I wrote down James admits to not wanting no, a Playboy they're, they're still bunny. they the party. And then Maggie admits to uh, really liking James and not wanting uh, a better option. Not, like, saving for a better option down the line. Is kind of like what they yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she basically they both say that like they're they're not like they're really happy with each other. That that's all yeah. they want, and they don't not looking for this isn't like a temporary thing. They're not just kind of trying to buy their time. Yeah, and after they make these acknowledgments, the uh, the crowd applause and Doris uh, compliments Norman for a job well done. Uh, then I wrote down the guests go in the kitchen. Did they? So, so no. So then we go to the kitchen and Anita's in there. She's kind of, you know, just doing catering stuff. And one of the guests. Oh, no. Comes yeah. In one of the says, guests. That's right. She's like, hey, I want, I'm having a party next week. I'd love to have you cater. Oh, and can you have your staff pretend to be a dysfunctional brother and sister? Uh, I really like this whole, like, you know, role play, like this whole gimmick thing that you've got going with your. She said, this was way more fun than playing Pictionary. And then Anita considers. Right. Um, like doing a theme party kind of thing. And that's it. That was like, the, that's the last scene. And then uh, Mickey's back on the couch with the newspaper. And I guess, what do you want to say about that? What, you, what do you think they were going so to do? So here's my thing. So I think the intent was that they were going to, it was supposed to be like him on a, on like a therapist couch. Like I think oh, that, that was where okay. they were, what they, what they maybe wanted to do, but they, then they probably, when they went to do the voiceover, just and didn't Tony Danza realize didn't pull that, it off very well. That wasn't going to work. Yeah. Or it just didn't make sense with like a baby lying on a couch. And then you have a, he's like talking to nobody. I don't know. I think that's what they were trying to do makes originally. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to say there's two other TGIF alumni in this episode. Party goers. So assuming, Linda, right? party goers. Linda, who was the woman who went to get a drink from uh, Maggie when Maggie was acting all all crazy. Uh-huh. Um, she was Donna Lynn Levy is the woman who plays that character. She was one of the mothers in the Full House episode where um, DJ gets the job at with Santa Claus and and at the picture okay, at the photo sure. booth. Maybe not Santa Claus, but the photo place an elf. um and then john who is is her is the boyfriend husband character to linda so the other guy uh-huh. the younger guy glasses curly hair he played a character elliot in perfect strangers who was the, the episode this old house which is the one where they buy the house uh to fix up not the one they end up living in but a different one um i think he was the in the i think there was the couple that came in to look at the house before oh, yeah. balky and larry um, and I, I believe he was the the guy in that couple. Cool. So two two little TGIF alum. Uh, yeah. Is that it for that episode? That's all I got. Billy, season one, episode three, Parenting 101 is the name of the episode. Starts off, Mary is her name, right? I got that right? But you got it, Mary. Mary's on the phone. Um, Billy gets home with the girls from the mall. Um, he's all freaking out because he didn't realize how crazy malls are on holiday weekends. <laughs> and... Uh, Mary gets mad because 
Billy show or one of the girls shows the shoes that uh, Laura does shows off the shoes that Billy let her get for school because that was the whole intention for going was to get new school shoes and um, yep. they're like sparkly like jeweled shoes and stuff like with a big like jam Heels. on the front or something yeah and yeah. Mary like freaks out about not getting plain black shoes well that's what she had sent him to buy was the like a little overreacting in my opinion though like like, I all, don't all right. disagree. I don't disagree with you. I think that the episode plays to show to like make her in the right here, but I I don't disagree with you. I think that I think that she could have been a little bit cooler about it. Yeah, they also kind of throw in that uh, they ate corn dogs and burritos and cotton candy when they were was at the it mall. was it Annie that was eating everything? Because I feel like it was just Annie that was saying she ate the corn dog, snow cone, burrito. So and I candy. know that Annie was definitely eating all that. I would assume the two okay. of them also got all that stuff too. But Annie definitely had all of it. See, I think the joke was it was Annie was just like eating everything that was in sight and yeah. that, that uh, Billy would pay for. She probably could have bought three more pairs of shoes with all that food. Probably. She, I mean, we should pay seven bucks for those shoes. Yeah. Pay less. Yeah. Yeah. That burrito was probably four bucks back then. Cotton candy, probably yep. 250 yeah. All right. So uh, Mary keeps uh, going on about uh, not getting the plain shoes. And Mary tells Billy that he has no concept of being a parent. Uh, David comes in, tells his mom that, uh, you remember how I was saving all that money for that electric guitar? Well, I've changed my mind. I got a motorcycle instead for that 60 bucks that I had saved up. So $63, he bought himself a motorcycle. Yep. Uh, commercial break, Tide, color tile. Um, the, uh, I noted here that the, uh, commercial for color tile, the, like, uh, flooring store, they were using talking babies in their ads like they're playing off the whole uh, look who's talking uh, thing too. Uh, okay um, i think it was the tide ad that i noticed i was like man this must be a regional ad because it was i believe i think that was the one that was all like really heavy country music in the background and I'm okay. like, oh this is dallas and that's probably well, well color tile is probably a regional ad too then that makes sense that's definitely a regional ad but yeah. the the tide, tide i was just like there's no way they're gonna put like a country music song on in like new, new york. york or la or well we have noted so. that we think is that these are all from akron ohio all these uh recordings are ohio have. sure midwest yeah I'll, I'll give that country too <laughs> um so then we go out back david's uh dumping out a box of motorcycle parts we find out he did not buy a complete motorcycle he bought a bunch of motorcycle parts and now he has to put this motorcycle together and Mary is encouraging him to do it. Like, yeah, you can do it. Keep going. And uh, Billy thinks yeah. that a motorcycle is a horrible idea and does not go along with this. Well, he's like, why would you encourage this? Like, this is going to end awfully. You don't want him to own a motorcycle. Yeah, so we go into the kitchen. Um, this is where, like, that conversation goes with Billy getting mad at Mary about parenting. And um, he's like, I just don't get it. Uh, we go later that night. Uh, Annie screams, run downstairs, runs downstairs and says there's a monster under her bed. Billy tries to handle it his way, kind of like telling her about different monsters and how she doesn't have to worry about them, things like that, and starts describing all these different monsters and like what colors their hair and their teeth and stuff like that. And Mary tries to take over this like handling of the monster situation, but Billy doesn't let her. And uh, Mary tells Annie that um, he's just making it all up. And they keep talking about monsters, and he's like, go get a chocolate chip cookie, put it under your bed, see if he eats it in the morning, because that particular type of monster only stays for one day, and if the cookie's still there, you know that he's already gone. I got all that, I think, okay. maybe. 
You you got it. Except I do want to mention that the the monster he calls the monster a kelpie. That kelpie. is the, the type of monster. Yeah. That's the specific yeah. one that's under her bed, correct? That is the specific type of monster. There's only one left in the world. It's the only one left. So it, it only spends short times under each bed. So it's really not much of a, a threat. Yeah. So Annie goes off with her to go get chocolate chip cookies. And Mary tells Billy that this is the worst technique possible of how he's handling this. Yes. She's um, then we get introduced to this new character, right? This is the first time we've met Phoebe. This is, yeah. The, we heard the name before. Uh, she was on the phone with her earlier, but this is Phoebe. Phoebe is played by Mary Gross. Uh, Mary Gross is in a lot of stuff. Um, I don't know if most notably, but I think to a lot of people, she was one of the very like old school SNL um, cast members. Okay. Uh, and she was, she, it wasn't called Weekend Update when she was on it, but she was, was one of the anchor, anchors for that, the version of Weekend Update that they had back in the early 80s. So, okay. Um, so Phoebe comes over, Laura comes in limping. We find out she broke that shoe already. Phoebe tells Broken Mary Laura, yeah. that she accidentally sold her house. Is that what happened? I don't think she accidentally sold it. Uh, she tells her that she got a real estate license. She has been trying to sell a house, has been unsuccessful. She finally sold a house today, but it was her own house. And she now has to tell her husband when he gets home from work. I don't know how you would accidentally sell a house. I think she just got maybe overexcited and sold the house. I, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think about this Phoebe character? I think that we're going to have to see more. <laughs> Yeah, because we don't get it's a, a little lot of over her the top, we, like the acting. I feel like, but maybe this is kind of like a play on like what she did on SNL, and I just don't know the actress enough. Like maybe this is kind of like what she. I does. don't. I don't. I don't understand how she fits into. I, I don't see the need for her beyond her being just like the archetypal best friend next door neighbor person. Yeah. Um, a lot of TGIF shows have that more. character though. Like I feel like they felt yeah, like it was they, like a need. Like let's bring in but this more and see how it changes the show. Yeah, but not always at yeah, first, because like when they, you, may, you know, the whole story with Urkel, and they brought him, and he wasn't supposed yeah, to be his yeah, bigger yeah. role, and then he worked out, and they kept him longer. So like maybe it's just. But them even his trying first to, like, appearance, his first appearance, he was a critical part of the plot of that episode because he was going supposed to be going to the dance with Laura. Like she just comes in at this one scene, makes this joke about selling her house, and then she's gone. Like that's it. Like there's no, there's no. She's not driving the plot at all, except yeah. that she also brings in the heel to the that. I think she off will the, be. But, in more stories i think it's just kind of like her introduction yeah. right now that's what i'm saying I, I think we just need to see more of her all right so they go back to david putting the bike together um david asks billy what his problems with uh motorcycles are and i think he kind of tells him that he thinks they're just too dangerous right like it's not appropriate for yeah. anyone to have one i guess yeah he just thinks he just doesn't like them thinks they're too dangerous like yeah. you said uh commercial break advil cold and sinus murphy's oil soap whirlpool refrigerators uh abc in concert this week is hosted by david crosby and it's got genesis on the show genesis. and then i did make a note here about the uh february is fresh on abc because they mention a jaleel white special yes yes is that coming up on tgif or is that something else it is not no, I so I don't want to it watch it. I was, find it. I was really well. Good luck because the, yeah. the I found it on a website called Lost Media Wiki. Uh, evidently, um, they don't. They no one has my limited research. No one has been able to find a full version of this that's been okay. recorded. Uh, it came on. It came on February twenty second on a it was Saturday night, um, and it was basically letting Jaleel White like do more. It reminds me a lot of the um, the New Kids on the Block special we uh -huh. watched, where they're all like. 
here's what I dream of being besides the most famous, you know, musicians in the world. Um, and it's, and basically he does like song and dance. He does like a whole like romantic kind of like, uh, I don't know, dream sequence situation. Uh, evidently little Richard, Vanessa Williams were All on right. it. Tatiana Ali from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was on it. Uh, the best, the best in my limited research that I was able to find is there's a, there's a, like a promo commercial for it. Okay. So. All right. Uh, back to the show. Annie comes down uh, to the kitchen and uh, she's saying that the cookie's gone. The monster ate it. Mary wants Billy to tell her the monsters aren't real. And uh, instead, Billy just asks if the uh, monster left any crumbs. Uh, we go to another scene where um, Mary comes downstairs and saying that uh, she calmed Danny down. She's calm. Yeah, she's calmed Danny down. Yep. But uh, she's not looking forward to uh, putting her to bed. Like, she knows how this is going to go. Mary and Billy argue some more about parenting, uh, about monsters and motorcycles and shoes. And then the doorbell rings. Um, Billy answers it. And it's one of uh, Mr. McGregor's students. Uh, Giselle is her name, I think. I don't think it is one of his students. I think this is oh, a you don't. high school friend. I think this is a high school friend of David's. It is Giselle, they knew each other, there though. T- like, she said, hi, Mr. McGregor. Yeah, but I don't think it's because they're... I don't think it's because she's in his college classes. I think that she knows him from... Yeah, I, I, I didn't... Is that all he David. teaches? He just teaches college, I guess? Yeah, yeah. And, she wouldn't and be, yeah, she's, she's, not, she's not a college student. For sure not. Yeah, yeah. No. Um. So, David try... Well, she comes in... Um. She's like, like Travis said, she's there to study with David. Uh, we go out back. David is on the motorcycle. He's got a fan on and he's got a boom box with like the sounds of a motorcycle. <laughs> motorcycle going. Sounds. And he's just yeah, sitting like on this. it, like pretending to ride. Uh, Giselle comes in. She's ready to study. David tries showing off his uh, bike, but she's not impressed. She says her like sister's boyfriend's got a bike and it's much different. It looks right. much nicer. It's a Harley Davidson or something like that. And, uh, they, the, he, I think there's he also says, this back and forth. Go ahead. No, you go. There's a, there's this back and forth where she's also like, I, you're really quiet and like kind of on your own at school. I didn't really think that you were uh, like a bad boy that would have a motorcycle, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. This is, this is why I really am. like, he's kind of trying to play like he's this cool, cool guy. And she's like, you're not like this at school at all. She's like a so. quiet rebel. Okay. And then uh, he invites her onto the bike with him so they can uh, ride to the boombox together. She looks like she's enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, Billy's watching this whole thing from the window. Um, and then he says, like, with uh, Mary behind him, I don't believe it. He actually got that thing together. And then Mary, like, freaks out and runs over. <laughs> runs Billy! Over the and then he laughs and uh, wants her to admit that uh, she's terrified of the whole thing, too. And then she tells Billy that, uh, don't worry, he's going to get bored eventually. If I tell him that uh, he can't do something, that's when he's actually going to do it. This is uh, this is my job as a mom. I've got to believe in him. And then Billy starts teasing uh, about, like, the two of them being together. Like, we're getting that, like, whole, like, awkward kind of romantic wannabe relationship thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That we've had in every episode so far. And then... Um, Billy, uh, well, he's like trying to like kind of make moves on her, but not really. It's weird. And then she blows it off and uh, he starts to walk away and she says, come on, Billy, I'm not as rigid as you think I am. And then uh, he says, oh, yeah, ask Laura. And then uh, we go to a scene with uh, Mary. It's Mary in the backyard, right? 
No, 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 no. Yeah. Mary goes into the backyard to find Laura on the swing set. It's nighttime now. Yeah, right, right, right. She's uh, already up there. Her shoes are like falling apart. There's like nothing left of them now. And Laura asks her mom if she's mad about the shoes. And then Mary's like, no, not anymore. Um, if I tell you why I got him to buy them for me, do you promise not to laugh? And then uh, uh, Laura tells Mary that when I put them on, I feel pretty. And then Laura's like, you're always pretty. And then Mary's <laughs> like, you're my mom. You have to say that. And then Mary says uh, that uh, Mary tells her she well, Mary, does the same Mary thing. Mary tells her about she bought yeah, she bought a blue dress last year and that she bought the blue dress for the same reason because she feels like when she puts it on, it makes her feel pretty. Mm-hmm. They joke around a little bit. And then uh, I guess we're back in the house. and uh, We are. We're back in the den. And and, and uh, Annie's Billy got a cookie jar. and Mary are just kind of hanging out. And yeah, Annie's trying to sneak upstairs with the entire cookie jar. And then she's like, where are you going with the cookie jar? And then uh, Annie's like, I need protection. Um, and then Billy, under his breath, says, from the mouth of mouths of babes is what he says. Yeah, this is a really good joke here, and and you don't you don't you don't give it credit. No, I didn't get um, it at all. So what Annie? The full sentence that Annie says is she's taking up the the cookie jar up with her to bed because she says when you, she goes to bed she wants to have protection. Uh huh. And so the joke that Billy says is from the mouth of babes because you, when you go to when you when you have sex you should have protection. The whole thing is like going to bed with protection okay. is the line that he is referencing from the mouth of babes. Sure. Um, as as though like the live studio audience thought it was real funny. There was a big laugh. And it, it it's it's funny. You have to you have to give it a minute. I had to give it a minute, but as soon as I got it, I was like, oh, that's why that's why they took a fifteen second laugh break for this for this joke. <laughs> so Mary asks Annie if she's uh, ever told her the story of Franklin the Turtle, and then she starts reading from a book, Franklin the Turtle. And then they go upstairs, uh, and then they show Mary and Billy coming back downstairs. Well, from the Pl- story of Franklin the turtle is that Franklin was a turtle who was scared to go in his shell because it was too dark. Too and so decay. it's just kind of a story about fear and, and being scared of the dark and overcoming that. Yep. And then eventually Mary and Billy come back downstairs from putting her to sleep. Billy jokes about having to read her the same story five times. Mary says, oh, you loved it. And... Uh, she also saw him out back with David and he says that they were just tinkering. And she says that, uh, that wasn't the idea. If you, uh, help him with it, he might actually get that thing together. (laughs) Right. And then, uh, Billy's like, well, not without this. And he pulls out like a cable from the motorcycle out of his pocket and, uh, sabotage. Yeah. Mary gives him a little credit here on his parenting. And Billy says the whole parenting thing isn't really the image I want. And then she's like, well, what's your image then? And then they go to the backyard, and now the two of them are riding on David's bike. Uh, Billy's got a bandana on. They're singing Highway to Hell. And then uh, Mary's like, shut up uh, and just drive, stud. And then that, that's the end of the episode there. <laughs> that's that's the end of the episode. Um, there was another commercial break. The only one, I mean, I wrote them all down, but the, the Pepsi ad that they played here, I think was from the Super Bowl that year. Because um, this probably aired like, the week after the Super Bowl, I would assume, which would make sense that they're reusing the commercials at this point. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, there was the season finale of America's uh, Funniest Home Videos with uh, Uncle Jesse and Uncle Joey is in as the special guests on that episode. And then uh, the cast of Step by Step got to do the uh, promo for next week's TGIF. Yep, yep. I made the same note about the uh, America's Funniest Home Videos with Joey, Jesse, and uh, Danny reuniting. Well, I guess not reuniting. They're still doing Full House. But, Crossover. You know. Uh, yeah. You want to go first on the rankings this week? 
Uh, I don't even know. Uh, sure. I'll go. I'm I'll go. I'm ready. Do... Go ahead. All right, go ahead. Uh, four baby talk. Three Billy. Two family matters. One step by step. Yeah, I am. I'm kind of. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm close, but not the same. So okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say baby talk. Billy, I, I'm just going to switch the front two and say uh, step by step at two and family matters at one. See, I thought you didn't they, like the family matters. Both, I didn't, but like, you know what? You know what? You know what? I would have put step by step at number one because I did not think at all about the whole like just the 10 of us uh-huh. kind of similarities. You brought that up and you got it in my head. And so now I just see that as kind of more of a redundant yeah. episode yeah, as well. Yeah. No, it is. So I, I, want, I don't know book. how much band stuff we're going to get from Al. Like if it's going to continue for episodes or not. I can't remember. I, I don't think it does. I don't think it does. Because I don't think that the rest of the band is in any other episodes. Unless yeah. she gets a whole new band. Like every every show. Um, I Honestly, Family Matters is step by step though. I, I could go either way. One and two. Okay. Uh, yeah. hey, thanks to Score one more time for the theme song this week. Yeah, make, thanks. Make sure you're following us on all social media, TGIFCast. Shoot us emails, TGIFCast at gmail.com. YouTube is where to find us for uh, videos. Just uh, search Two Guys on a Friday. It's pretty easy. Yeah, and next week, full week, Family Matters Season 3, Episode 19, Step by Step Season 1, Episode 18, Baby Talk Season 2, Episode 18, Billy Season 1, Episode 4. Awesome. And uh, keep an eye out on our social media, too. Uh, we've got con season coming up pretty soon, so we'll be making announcements of where you can find us uh, throughout at least yeah. the East Coast, wherever we'll be. Yeah, definitely at least a couple. We'll see. We'll see what ends up panning out. So cool. You got anything else, Steve? No, that's it. All right, man. Have a good week. You got it, dude. <laughs>